The subject this morning is Christmas is about the whole story. Last week, if you recall, I began talking about the Christmas season and I turned our attention to one of the most beloved Christmas shows ever to air, and that's a Charlie Brown Christmas. As I mentioned last week, the show first aired on December 9th, 1965, 58 years ago. At the time when it was being prepared for production, it wasn't highly thought of either by the network, which would have been CBS, or the main sponsor, which would have been Coca-Cola. They didn't care for the show. They had already contracted, committed to the author that they would produce it. So they were hoping that basically it would air one time, they could lock it away in a vault, and it would never be heard from again. They was wrong. One of the main things that they objected to was that at the near the end of the show, that it was a um, small child reciting from the King James Bible, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And that's where I'll begin. Okay. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Which at this point in the TV show, which prompts Linus to turn to Charlie Brown in answer to his question and basically say, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But is it? Is it really? Can the entirety, the complete intended impact of Christmas be truly summed up in six verses from Luke chapter 2? One thing is clear, it is for Linus, and it is for so many other people within our culture. For many, it is about the spiritual focus on the baby Jesus coming in the manger, about a gift being given to humanity, about a picture of joy and peace as we look into the manger. So the question today that I'm hopefully going to try and answer, is it really, are these all that Christmas is about, or is this just part of the story? I would agree it's part of the story. But that's not what Linus said in the show. He didn't say this is part of what Christmas is all about. He said this is all Christmas is about. And it is for many. For many, Christmas is a season, a time period starting around Thanksgiving, but then runs out at the end of the year. And then it's over. Come January 1st, we pack up all the decorations. We put away the Christmas tree. We put Christmas away. And sadly for many, more than the decorations get packed in the attic. The good feelings, the good intentions, the sense of peace and goodwill get packed away as well. Because they perceived that those things are part of Christmas. And they're really not for the entire year. 
But it's not just a feeling that fades away because for them, Christmas is over. This is a conscious decision to pack these things away and quote unquote, return to normal, whatever normal is. As some will say, they do that because the season is over, partly. But I believe it's also because many follow a subconscious understanding of what Linus said. They really embrace a truth that says Christ is all about the baby in the manger and nothing more. They really embrace that that's as far as it goes. It's about the baby in the manger. It's about the shepherds. It's about the wise men. And that's it. For many, that's the whole story. And I want to really drive the point home today. That's not the whole story. As I mentioned last week, for one of the most beloved characters of the Peanuts comic strips, for Snoopy, it's about the lights and the decorations and the festive nature. And Snoopy showing off how well he can dance. For Lucy, it's about things being done for her and things being done her way. For Sally, it's about the Christmas list. And as she quoted, getting her fair share. And for Charlie Brown, Christmas is a season to amplify the despair and depression he feels the entire rest of the year. But for Linus, it's about the manger and the characters in the manger as he recites the Christmas message. So I want to talk about the characters he does mention. Because first he mentions the shepherds. Verse 8 says, now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. What do we know about shepherds, especially in the first century? Truth is, not much. That's what makes them part of, so awesome and part of the Christmas story. Being part of the story is what made the shepherds special. In their society, they were just a bunch of guys who were out in the fields watching sheep for a living. They did not have an advanced degree. None of them went to Harvard or Yale. No standing in their culture. And yet, in the Bible, being a shepherd is seen very differently. Abel was a shepherd, and his sacrifice was honored before God. Abraham was also a shepherd in an overly agricultural society with many flocks. Moses, before his burning bush experience, was a shepherd watching over sheep for his father-in-law. And we all know the story of David, Israel's, one of Israel's greatest kings, who when he was anointed by Samuel, all he was was a shepherd. And when King David was looking for the right description, the right way to describe what it meant for him as a believer to be in connection with God, to be able to walk with God and feel his presence and feel his love, he opened Psalm 23 by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Israel was an agricultural society. Sheep made up a major portion of the overall industry. Being a shepherd was as commonplace as you could be. Everyone, everywhere you looked in Israel, there were sheep. 
This is part of the whole story. God bringing salvation to the world was and is for everyone. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter your class. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter how much you don't make. Jesus is for everyone. Now, let's be honest. If you were on the marketing team to announce the birth of the Son of God, and you were planning the arrival of him to earth, it probably would have been planned very differently. We would have sent invitations to all the prominent dignitaries. We would definitely have alerted all the cable news networks. Kings and leaders would have been in the front row right by the manger. Facebook and Twitter accounts would have been created just for this event. And only VIPs would have been able to allow to attend by close range. But that's not what Christmas is all about. It's about how special God is and how special he sees every single human being equally. And these were not just everyday run-of-the-mill shepherds. You see, being a shepherd, you had to be able to guide the sheep because they sheep were as many a preacher has said, not the brightest bulb on the tree. They're always wandering and not realizing the danger they could be stumbling into. So being a shepherd, you had to, especially when they were awake, you had to be mindful of them and then be able to protect them. And while protection was part of the thing these shepherds were doing, these were shepherds who were watching over their fields by night. These, This was the night shift. It was shepherds watching over uh, sheep who weren't moving. They were sleeping. Watching over their flocks at a time when the least amount of skill and the least amount of experience was required. The Christmas story includes the value of every person because it was to these shepherds that the birth of the Savior was announced. The Christmas story includes the worth of every person, no matter what they do. And the Christmas story erases lines made by status and class and hierarchy and positions. I've never understood how anybody walking on the face of this earth could ever form in their mind an attitude that would allow them to look down on anybody. It doesn't make any sense. When you see what all of us are equally in the face of God and realize that without his grace, we are all nothing, then how in the world can we look down on anyone else? It's also really cool that those who watched over the sheep were the first to witness the birth. John would later comment that when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, John chapter 1, verse number 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So before anybody else, it was the shepherds who saw the Lamb of God. For Linus, Christmas was about the shepherds. For him, it was also about the angels. Or if I try my best Billy Graham impression, the angels. Now, that wasn't really good at all. Angels are our main icon of the season. You see them everywhere. They adorn the top of a majority of Christmas trees. It's either an angel or a star. 
for most of them. Just as with the shepherds, many churches, when they have their Christmas plays and they have a number of children and they're trying to fit different children in different roles, if they have extra children that they're not sure what they're going to be, they're going to be one of two things. They're going to be a shepherd or they're going to be an angel. Because with the shepherds, you can just throw a towel over the kid and all of a sudden he or she is a shepherd. Angels require a little bit more work. In the scripture Linus read, the shepherds are joined by a multitude of heavenly hosts. Angels are being are mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. And yet we don't know much about them. Most of how they're portrayed is based on conjecture and the way it's portrayed in the art of church tradition. They're often portrayed as being caring and loving. They're often portrayed as being cuddly and cute. And mainly being called an angel in our culture is a high compliment. I don't know anyone who when they call you an angel, unless they're being sarcastic, is trying to say something bad about you. Mark Twain, in revealing his fruit preference, once said, when one has tasted a watermelon, he knows what the angels eat. I don't know about that. I'm more likely to think the angels chow down on steak and lobster and pizza. Uh, pizza from New York, as I have mentioned. But the larger Christmas story is filled with the presence of angels. An angel appeared to Zechariah to announce the birth of John the Baptist. An angel appeared to Mary to let her know the impossible was about to happen in her life. An angel appeared to Joseph, who was concerned about this story that Mary brought to him. And the angel said, you can be okay. That what she's telling you is the truth. And an angel appeared to Mary and Joseph that they needed to take the baby Jesus and leave the, the area for a while, go into Egypt while Herod was going to do something really, really horrible. So, yeah, Linus has a point that Christmas deeply involves angels. One can wonder why Linus didn't cover all of these other points. But one thought is that 58 years ago, when they were writing the story, most people back then would have known the facts. You see, they took a poll back around when the show first aired. And in 1965, the poll revealed 47% of people in this nation said they had been in church in the last seven days. That's pretty impressive. That number is woefully less today. It's not true. It's less than 10% today would answer the same question. So most people won't know the larger story. Most people won't understand why is a shepherd connected with the baby in the manger? Why is the angel there? That's why today more than ever, Christmas can't be about just the baby in the manger. Christmas needs to be about the whole story. Because most people aren't knowledgeable about the story. They're okay with the baby in the manger. They're okay with the nativity scene. They're okay with the innocence that it portrays. And for many, that's fine and that's perfect. Baby in the manger, shepherds in a field, angel in the sky. As simple as arranging a nativity scene on the front lawn 
and that's Christmas. But as the bumper stickers declare, you can't separate Christ from Christmas. The reality without the whole story, there wouldn't be Christmas. The whole story acknowledges not just that a baby came, but that a savior came. And the reason a savior came is because one was needed. The whole story about Christmas acknowledges that we were being saved from a sinful nature that we could not address. The whole story acknowledges that our sin was real and the gift was even more real. The whole story centers on one of the gifts the angel announced. Peace on earth. Seems like there is so little peace in our world today. Seems like there is so little peace in people today. Is it just me or is that has anyone noticed that it doesn't take much to set people off nowadays? People talk about, well, someone's pushing my buttons. Well, that's kind of easy when your button is like right here on your forehead. Peace on earth. And yet part of the issue is that people equate peace with the cessation of conflict. So many look at Luke chapter 2, verse 14, and they scoff at this whole notion of peace on earth. I think partly because they missed the point of what the angel was talking about. Because peace is not the cessation of war. Peace is not the lack of outward conflict with other people. Peace is not everyone behaving themselves at a Christmas and family gathering. Now, I know that's not something anyone here has to deal with because when you get together with your family, everyone always behaves themselves. No need to say amen to that. And as I've shared before about one of my dad's favorite phrases when he came home from work, he said it throughout the entire time growing up. I heard it over and over again. He was a hardworking man. He worked as a machinist, hard work, long hours, and he was the father of three boys who were at times rambunctious. But he would come home and he would say it every night. All I want is some peace and quiet. And I've shared, my dad lied. All he really wanted was quiet. Because he really didn't care whether there was peace or not between me and my two brothers. Because I think we all realize peace is something deeper than quiet. It's something much more impactful than just the cessation of sound. Looking into the news, Israel and Hamas had a, had a ceasefire, but that doesn't mean there was peace. And even that, bless you, even that's over. He was partly honest, but really all he wanted was quiet. Peace is something much more powerful. Peace is something that allows you to be able to maintain a center in the midst of conflict, in the midst of troubled times. You can have a peace, as Paul told the church at Philippi, that goes beyond human comprehension, that passes understanding. Peace is what Jesus mentioned in John's gospel, in chapter 14, verse number 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
He doesn't say he will remove the reasons for your heart to be troubled, but he will give us a power that allows peace to rule in the midst of troubled times. The peace that Jesus wants to give each and every one of us, especially at Christmas time, is a peace very different than what the world offers. For them, peace is everyone embracing every um, what is passing for morality today. If everyone would just get on the same page and agree with the world, what is right and what is wrong, then we'd have peace. No, then we'd have everybody being wrong. For them, peace is everyone believing that you can live any way you want and still have the promise of an eternal life. That's not peace. That's error. For them, peace is about giving up standards of living that have existed for over 2,000 years. That's not peace. Essentially for the world, peace is tied to everything on the outside going right and life being free of conflict and arguing. Anyone ever been in a room that was quiet, but you could cut the tension with a knife? Jesus gives a much better thing called peace. His peace is a peace that calms a troubled heart. Not that resolves the issue about what brought trouble to the heart, but it calms the troubled heart. His peace removes fear. I appreciate more than I can tell you, all of you who pray for me all the days during the week, three days a week, that I travel into New York City. And there are reasons to pray for me. It's not exactly the most safest place on the planet, especially with all the protests that happen nowadays. But I can assure you, as I travel into Manhattan, I take the train, an hour and 10 minute train ride into Penn Station, and then a 20 minute subway ride up to Midtown. There are many things I feel, but fear is not one of them. I definitely feel, gee, am I getting close to retirement or what? <laughs> but he gives us a peace that passes understanding. That's what the angel came to proclaim. His peace can let you have a good night's sleep, even in the midst of a storm that rages around you. His peace is part of the whole story. And that's not just what the baby brought in the manger. That's also been given to us by what we're going to celebrate shortly. The fact that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead to give us an abundant life that includes peace. The salvation Jesus came to create by dying for our sins, that's part of the whole story. Yes, we want to honor that moment of the incarnation when God kind of barged into humanity and said, I'm going to be like one of you. That's part of the story. But it's only part. It doesn't end there. If that baby didn't grow up to give his life as a sacrifice and then rise from the dead, it would just be a nice tradition. But it's the whole story. That is what is so important. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I'm sure you've noticed, like I have, the scenes around us visually are changing. I've noticed, especially in my own neighborhood, more and more houses are, are lit up, the decorations. And please, I'm not saying anything against them. You want to put lights on your house? Light it up. Go for it. 
But it makes me wonder for so many people, especially for those who aren't church going, when those lights come down and those decorations get put away, will you have peace and goodwill toward men? And let's be clear, and my final point today, he said good, the angel said goodwill toward men. Everyone seems to read that phrase in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, as goodwill among men. And that's not what it said. Now, I believe that when Christians, when people become Christians and the love of Jesus overflows in their heart, they'll be nicer to one another. Sadly, there are examples where that doesn't always occur, but I still believe it. But the issue that the angel came to provide, uh, came to address and the gift that Jesus came to give us was not that we would have peace and goodwill with one another. There was a gulf between people and mankind, but there was a greater gulf between God and mankind. And that was the bridge that Jesus came to provide. To be able to bridge this uh, chasm that existed between us and God. And now because of what he did, which started with the baby in the manger, we can walk with Jesus each and every day. He can be an ever-present help in a time of trouble. As we sang, he can be that fourth man in the fire. He is with us each and every moment. And that's because of the whole story, which began with a baby in the manger. And that's all of Christmas. So when we gather with our friends and family this holiday season, when we gather with coworkers and realize for many of them, Christmas is another reason for a series of parties and to consume way too much alcohol. For me at my job, Christmas is another time where my coworkers for the past 11 years have tried their best. This is the Christmas Hiram is gonna take a drink. No, this is the Christmas they're going to fail once again. And I don't necessarily, nor does the Bible, have a particular issue with the consumption of alcohol. It does talk about getting drunk. But in a culture that has no idea what the word self-control means, I, I'm not even going near this stuff. I've also shared why I don't drink it. Sadly, it's nothing to do with anything spiritual. It's because of the lesson my father taught me when I got drunk one night, when I was 19. And for those who don't, I'll quickly say he just, it was New Year's Eve. I was stupid. I got drunk. I came home. Don't know how I got home. New Year's Day, I'm on the couch in pain like I've never experienced in my life. And my dad thought it was the funniest thing on the planet. He thought it was funny. And what's on TV on New Year's Day? Marching bands. And he turned up the TV. He cranked it up. And I was on the couch, and the, the end of the couch where my head was was right by the TV. And he was cranking it up loud. Anytime he could come by the couch and bump into it, he did. And in Spanish homes, they have these big pots that they use for making rice and beans. And he kept banging on one right by my head. That was when I was 19. I am now 62. I have not had a drink since. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the Lord coming into my life. 
So, Dad, thank you. <laughs> but Christmas is about so much more. It's about a recognition that a story began. A timeline was initiated. The, the story for our salvation, which each one of us needed, which every person breathing needs. And that's what Christmas is about.